0: was the opening music to Bridge to the Sun released by uh,
1: MGM <laughs> MGM
0: it's the one with the lion right <laughs> <laughs> Yes.
1: that's true all right that lion is quite old now all right all right
0: yeah okay. that was the opening music to Bridge to the Sun released by MGM and directed by Etienne Perret I and story. Starring... Right, huh? Yep, starring Carol Baker, James Shigita, uh James Yagi, and other cast. Those are the main characters, though. Uh, oh, and and uh, their daughter Mako, played by a couple different people: Nori Elizabeth Herman and Emmy Florence Hirsch. I thought she did a really good job. Both of the well, both of those act- actresses did a good job. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at ClassicMovieReviews.net and on Patreon. Just go to Patreon.com slash ClassicMovieReviews. And of course, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Facebook, and other places. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm coming to you from rainy North Bend today.
1: And this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles welcoming everyone back to Classic Movie Reviews and Bridge to the Sun, which for me is a a really uh, nice companion film to uh, Farewell to Manzanar. Uh, Came out in 1961 and uh, enjoyed it very much. Our director is from Belgium and uh, he had a long career. He did... uh, lots of different movies he's still alive he's 88 uh, one movie that he did that I enjoyed is Zeppelin from 1971 about the uh, the maker of those uh, dirigibles like the uh, Hindenburg so a good movie uh, and Carol Baker is still
0: alive too and she's uh, we've seen her in Giant she played Lutz Lutz the second, I think,
1: yes, she's uh, she's uh, still. I don't know that she's still active, but you'll re- if you recall when we did kind when we did uh, our trip to Astoria, we talked about Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, she was the evil mother of the bad guy in that That's film right. from from, <laughs> from right. nineteen ninety. Yeah, she was also. She was
0: very very protective of her of her son, even though he was a real bad guy too. Yeah, yeah. She,
1: well, she wasn't a real sweetheart. When I saw her in that movie, I thought she was playing Maul Barker, the old gun mall from the 30s. She was also uh, had a big part in how the West was won in 1962. Long career. Oh no she she made a later movie too. I forgot. 1997, the Michael Douglas movie the game.
0: Oh right. she's in
1: that. I think when she got
0: started there was this thinking that she was going to be the next Marilyn Monroe. And that's how she got cast into Giant.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, I thought she did it. She was really good in this movie. I, I just really liked her character. I thought she was a strong character. Played really well off of the um, character played by... Uh, I lost my place. James but, Shigeta? By, yeah, played by James Shigeta. Um and we should mention this uh, This whole movie is based off of an autobiography of a real person who experienced these events uh, and then wrote about it. It was Gwendolyn Tarasaki, and that's her
1: autobiography. Yeah, that came out in 1957. And what I also like about it is both Farewell to Manzanar and Bridge to the Sun are based on autobiographies of people that actually lived that experience. And she had a long life. Her life ended uh, when she was ninety, and, and she was living in, of all places, Casper, Wyoming. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I would not have guessed Casper, Wyoming. Nice city, but I just didn't, I didn't think of her as being there. James Shigeta. Uh, we have a, we have a trivia question on him later in the show. He was very, very popular. He did "Flower Drum Song" in 1961. Mm, the Yakuza, 1975. I don't want to go too far here. I might reveal our trivia question. He did like over 20 films and he was a big singer, a big musical star before he got into films. Handsome man and did an excellent job.
0: Yeah, he was really good. He's um, described as one of the biggest Asian actor superstars. And he says that he never would call himself a star. That's something that somebody else should... That, that he's heard other people say about him but he just thinks of himself as a working actor or just thought of himself as a working actor he says
1: and he did a lot of work <laughs> as yeah. it turned out uh, the other character that uh, I thought did an excellent job played uh, his, uh, his f- close friend in the film uh, let me see his, his real name is Tatsura Tamba and he was in a lot of movies uh, Plays
0: Jiro in the, yeah. In the movie. Yeah, Tur- yeah. It
1: starts out that he's a close friend of, of uh, James Shigeta's character, uh, and then turns out he's a very rabid uh, Japanese nationalist and has a high position in the Japanese government. He did. Uh, he made over a hundred films. Wow! And and the, and the one that I, I remember him in is a James Bond film from 1967 starring Sean Connery. You only live twice. Oh yeah. He's in that film. So
0: Cool. It's
1: a good good it's movie. It's interesting though. Uh, I mean,
0: they they were good friends up until uh the war started, but he he also I don't know. I don't think he was really impressed with the fact that uh his name is Terry. They call him Terry in the in the movie, but that's James Shigeta's character, married an American white woman, because there was that scene when they were having dinner and and he said something and then Terry slapped him in the face.
2: Ah, Terry, I'm glad that you could join us. Jiro-san's just been introducing me to the mysteries of the geisha house. Like most foreigners, Dr. Jones was believing it was house of sin. It's just pleasing location to take refreshments while discussing business or finance.
3: Or politics. Meanwhile,
2: being entertained by geishas, educated in arts of singing, dancing and conversation not obtainable at home. Isn't that sort of arrangement rather difficult for Japanese wives? Contrary. Japanese wife is happy for any arrangement which can give husband joy and comfort. Teresan appears to be unhappy tonight, Dr. Jones. Perhaps he too requires joy and comfort. Perhaps Teresan requires gentle fingers of Kyosan touching his heart, releasing him from sad and unfortunate burden of his marriage.
1: I thought it uh, the film does an excellent job of, of portraying the uh cultural divide that that we see uh, in Farewell to Manzanar this is played out in a smaller drama with just the uh the uh, woman and the man being the leads in that but they it really brings home the feeling of the late 1930s and then the warriors Um, What
0: I liked about it was that it just felt very factual. Like, I I don't feel like there was anything in there that was really hyperbolic or blown out of proportion to what would have been going on at the time. It almost felt at times like watching a documentary.
1: I agree. Especially, uh, I I found that to be the case in the early parts of the film, at the beginning of the war, when they're rounding people up and they, they actually did exactly what they portrayed in the film. They took all of the uh, Japanese nationals and other people that are going back to Japan, and put them in a kind of an out-of-the-way, remote resort in Virginia, I believe it was, and then they bust them all uh, t- to get on the transportation back to Japan.
0: Well, no, that scene where. Uh... One oh the FBI agent comes to their home and yes. says that, yes. says that he's, he's going to be deported and that she should move back to Tennessee.
2: Mrs. Tarasaki? I'm sorry, I was just going out. I'd like to talk to you first. My name's Burton, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Come
4: in, Mr. Burton. This is my aunt, Mrs. Collister.
2: Pleased to know you, ma'am. Until we make definitive arrangements, we'll have to insist on a few rules, Mrs. Tarasaki. No visitors, no phone calls. If you want to take a walk or do some shopping, I'm afraid we'll have to keep you in sight.
4: When can I see my husband?
2: I can't say. He's being held at the embassy with the rest of the staff. But I'm sure you'll be allowed to say goodbye to him before he leaves.
4: Leaves for where?
2: In Japan, of course. All enemy diplomats will be deported.
4: And their families?
2: Naturally. But don't you worry, Mrs. Terasaki. Being American citizens, you and your daughter can stay here.
4: What if an American wife wanted to go with her husband? That's
5: a ridiculous question, Gwen.
4: I was asking Mr. Burton and Peggy.
2: There's nothing to stop her, legally. But on the other hand, I... Go on. Well, a woman in that position would have a pretty rough time of it. Feelings are running high against the Japs... Japanese here. Imagine what it's like over there against us.
5: Gwen, you aren't seriously thinking of... When will my husband be deported?
2: As soon as we can make an exchange for our nationals in Japan.
4: When would we be leaving?
2: Within a couple of weeks, I'd say.
4: The actual procedure for my daughter and me?
2: You'll be given forms to fill out. Don't then do when it, Gwen. Notified, Think
4: of Marco. Think of yourself. They'll tell you to, to pieces over there. Please be quiet, Aunt Peggy. Go on Mr.
2: Burton. From there you'll be taken to a point of debarkation.
0: Her aunt is is sort of like kind of horrified by that idea and even the FBI, and the FBI agent was kind of like do you, do, you, do you realize what they're going to do to you over there and but she was just adamant about the fact that she's going to be with her husband and I just thought that was such a powerful scene about the it just portrayed so perfectly that conflict that must have been going on between the personal things that you have in your life, like your husband and your child, and then this national event, that this worldwide event, this world war that's going on, and what, what that is forcing people to also have to consider doing, you know, or or to do.
1: That scene is one of the highlights of the film as well, because for me, that would have been an opportunity for the director to make that FBI agent almost one-dimensional and sort of cartoonish if if it hadn't been handled as well as it was. Because I really thought that he was... It was painful for him to be doing this. He portrayed yeah. that really well.
0: Yeah, another word that kept coming to mind as I watched it was just, it's, it's just a very human movie. It's just, it's very much driven by the human drama. And, and then surrounding that are all the events that are going on with uh, America's entry into the war after Pearl Harbor, and then, and then we get to see what it was like in Japan, you know, and that's not something that we get to see very often in in film. And it is a great compliment to Farewell to Manzanar because those these things are contemporary events. Uh, so what you know, here in America, the, Jap- the Japanese internment camps were were occurring, and people and Japanese Americans and people of Japanese descent were being shipped off to these camps, and then in Japan, you know, they were having these terrible um, shortages of food and, you know, millions of Japanese were dying. And, you know, I'm not going to get into all the history and the politics around it, but a lot of, there was a lot of um, sort of deception even within the Japanese government about their their chances of winning the war. And, and so the propaganda around that to the Japanese people uh, was was kind of evident in some ways in the film as well so it was just a really touching deep human movie to me i was i was surprised i was i was sucked into this movie and i was like wow this is way better than i was expecting i
1: guess (laughs) well i remember going to it when it came out in 1961 i was in college and uh, I went to it on a Friday or Saturday, probably, and I was just drawn into it because it was so um, realistic in terms of what I thought you know it was probably like at that time and then i I wondered she had to be one of the strongest willed women I probably would ever meet to do that and to be that far away during a war and uh, to be so different. Culturally, ethnically, every every other way, from all the people that were there. And she navigated her way through that for, uh, for almost four years.
0: Well, there's another scene that really sticks out, and that is later in the movie when they're living in that little seaside village, and the daughter has made a friend with another little girl in the in the village. And they're kind of out playing and then all of a sudden these bombers come in or they're they're fighter planes I guess but they have some bombs that they're dropping as well and her little friend gets killed and there's a scene where uh, Terry is holding the little girl that her daughter's little friend and Gwen is, is just screaming at the sky
1: No more!
0: Jeez, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. Um, I don't know that I've seen in too many movies where the enormity of what's going on with the war is sort of like so well contrasted with the 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 the, the way that people are victimized by it in in their in their lives. The people that are just swept up into the war because these people are just fishermen and 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 you know farmers and. Yeah, they they're supporting their country in in the war in the sense that they're Japanese, you know, so but at the same time they're as almost as much a victim of the whole thing as as anybody. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's just it's just a really well-done movie that made me think a lot about the implications of all that.
1: Don't you think too that the director did uh, an excellent job in zeroing in on the story of these two people, because it could have been easy, or it might have been easy, to drift off into more of the overall global war-type stuff and all the bombing that was going on. But he really kept a steady ship, if you will, to focus on her life, trying to survive on limited rations, and his life trying to avoid uh, being, I guess, arrested, because he was always trying to make some effort to end the thing
0: yeah he was trying to start a peace party yeah and, which would have been yeah. a
1: death sentence in that era in japan had he been caught
0: well it's it's a good example of that is that there? there's two good examples of that i think there's a scene where uh gwen and her daughter meiko have been out having a fun day in the town and they come back to their apartment and they're just in such a good mood and they're and then you see the look on the faces of the people around them and they get on the elevator to go up to their apartment and the people in the lobby are like do they not know have they have they haven't heard and it was the bombing of pearl harbor
4: hello steve hello
0: your husband phoned you several times mrs tarasaki i want you to call him back as soon as possible
5: thank you Let's go and get some hot chocolate. Uh, yes, Marco, would you like some hot chocolate? Yes. What's wrong with everybody today? I don't know. Don't they know? I'm not staying in this house another minute, that's for no sure. No yellow right rat's gonna slit my, my belly. Emily.
2: The American naval at Pearl Harbor. There can be no doubt that Japan's sneak attack was perfectly timed to take place on the day and hour, and in such a brutal and decisive manner that the United States would be sometime in forming again an adequate striking force in the new Pacific theater of operations. Latest reports from Honolulu indicate that the Japanese attack at Pearl Harbor has taken a heavy toll on American lives. In Washington, President Roosevelt has ordered the Army and Navy to fight back.
0: And it kind of brought home how back in that era... It's not like today where they got an alert on their phone, right? Like they 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 didn't know that that had happened.
1: Yeah, it was much it was much more delayed and and uh, hit and miss in terms of who who learned about it. You know, she.
0: But 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 to the point of like the the handling of that of the characters versus like the kind of, kind of it would have been easy, like you said, to go off and make this almost like a war propaganda film in in a sense. Um, they. Some of these big events, like the bombing of Pearl Harbor and then also the dropping of the atomic bombs, were almost just like one line or two line events in the movie Later in the film when after the bombing of of Nagasaki and Hir- Hiroshima, they I think they hear about it over the radio or something like that. and then the weight of it is only felt because we know what happened after that, right? Yes. like for them at for them at the time living it you know there's no there there would have been no way for them to know like the enormity of 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 those events at that moment that they were happening
1: another one that uh i thought was really well done is when uh she's uh summoned to the office of uh of jero jero yeah, no, who's kind of kind of a higher up position in the government and he's trying to blackmail her into uh Uh, what he wants her to do by offering more food.
0: And and he wants her to go on Tokyo Rose's show and and denounce the American bombings and stuff, yeah.
1: And who walks in but Tokyo Rose?
2: The years are very kind to you, Gwen-san. You are changed little since first days of your honeymoon here. You are certain you will not partake?
4: No, thank you. I'm not hungry.
2: I know. My food is unworthy.
4: Chiro-san, you know why I've come. To ask you a favor. You and Terry were close friends once, if for no other reason. Don't let him be hurt.
2: He knows you came to see me? No. A real virtue in American woman, such loyalty.
4: Not when she loves a man?
2: What kind of man fighting against his own country while friends and brothers giving life for Japan? His own cousin Ishii lying in Daichi Army Hospital near to death.
4: Ishii?
5: Oh, no!
2: You have pity? Splendid. I have pity, too. Even for Terry. Perhaps there is a way to help him which will make all happy. I wish to present Mrs. Terasaki. This is Mrs. Hatano. How
4: do you do? Mrs. Terasaki, how nice that you're married to one of us. Jirusan san told me about you and I thought how lovely if you would be my guest star some evening. Tokyo Rose, aren't you sweet? You recognize my voice. How could I ever forget it?
3: Surely you wouldn't refuse.
2: A simple friendliness, only to be heard on broadcast with Mrs. Hatano. And here, to show good feelings, extra ration tickets.
4: It's mighty tempting, Jiro. All that beautiful food I could buy. But I don't believe I could swallow it. Why, it would just turn to poison quicker than you could say Benedict Arnold, saying.
2: Clearly, you do not want your husband back.
4: Oh, I do, Giro. But I don't know a better way to lose him again.
1: I had forgotten that that was in the film. where And she was very uh, engaging and polite. I mean, she was really... Uh, trying to get her to take the ration stamps.
0: And so Tokyo Rose was a Japanese uh, radio personality. I don't know what you would call her. But... Well, I don't
1: know all the history, but I believe she was a U.S. citizen that was in Japan. or I'm not quite sure on that part, but she was broadcasting throughout the war to uh, in English and playing all this music and doing propaganda broadcast all the time. It shows up in a lot of the films that were made after the war and during the war so
0: it, it was basically propaganda though from the Japanese government because, yeah, yeah. um they she would play music that the American soldiers would want to listen to and but then in between the songs, she would be talking about uh, well with the propaganda that that the government wanted her to talk about
1: and she after the war was convicted of some level of war crimes i'm not I'm not sure how how that went forward. I just don't remember. I've read about it, but it's been a long time ago. Another part of the film that I thought was excellent is at the end of the war, when the emperor is making a speech on the radio. That's an actual recording of his speech.
5: Look, mommy, this is a present from the eight When I told him that daddy was sick, he brought it right away. Oh. Domo, domo arigato. And he also said that everybody is coming to hear the radio. The radio? Yes, tomorrow the Emperor is going to speak.
3: Tenno Heiku himself, for the first time in history. <laughs> We are fully aware of the innermost feelings of all of you. However, we have resolved to pave the way for peace for all generations to come by enduring. The unendurable and suffering what is insufferable. Let the entire nation unite as one family from generation to generation and cultivate the ways of rectitude and nobility of spirit.
5: Those American soldiers think they're going to make us bow
4: to them. Can't you just see me bowing to my cousin Alfred?
3: It's all over now, All the hate and vengeance finished.
1: That was was exactly what he broadcast. And then Terry's uh, translation is not quite, it doesn't explain everything that the emperor said. As accurately as the emperor. Well, started. it was.
0: I read that it was quite a long speech, and th- those were just a couple lines that they pulled out for the film. But yeah, this idea—this idea that 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 they could just all kind of go back to their lives. You know, like he says, the hate is over. The the I, I forget something like the hate is over. The revenge is over. And and then there's a scene of all the people leaving the little gathering area where they were listening to the radio and kind of wandering off back into their lives and yeah that that was kind of fascinating to think about like it's it's just over now you know like the war is over you we're going to go back to our lives but but you can't go back to your life right like life is never going to be
1: the same after all that oh my well i think that was brought home too by terry just insisting that she go back to to, that Gwen go back to johnson city tennessee and take their daughter with her because he knew he was dying and i don't that was
0: a sad that was sad i
1: don't know yeah. that the film i think he had cancer but i don't know that the film portrays that but he didn't live long after the war and he wasn't an old old man at the time he he probably would have been in his 40s and that scene as the ship is leaving, I mean he did not come back he she came back on her own, and that portrays that so well. I also wondered I also wondered what her fa- Gwen's family back in Tennessee thought of this whole adventure that she went on. There's a whole chapter there that would make another interesting film,
0: like her coming back, back what,
1: when she decided to get married and go to Japan, and her aunt was Trying to be supportive, but had difficulty. And then it'd be an interesting story about what happened to her family and how they reacted to that during and then after the war when she returned. It's almost like a could be could be like a a sequel. sequel Yeah. yeah.
0: There's a scene where she she's come back from her date with uh, Terry, and she comes in kind of late, and Gwen is surprised that she's awake and that her aunt is awake, and her aunt.
5: Hi, why aren't you asleep? I didn't even shut my eyes. Fred's been calling all evening. Oh, honestly, Aunt Peggy, I can't stand a man who feels he owns you checking up on you. Gwen, honey, you know I'm broad-minded about lots of things, but meeting a man like that at a party is one thing, and accepting him as a gentleman caller is A, a horse of a different color? I know. I don't think that's at all funny. I've got a responsibility to your mom and daddy while you're here. Don't be alarmed, auntie.
4: Mr. Terasaki didn't even ask to see me again. If he did, I couldn't be serious about him in a thousand years.
5: That's Fred, dear. Fred, she just came in. Oh, uh, just a minute, please. Hello, Terry.
4: (laughs) No, it rained all night the day I left. Oh, well, you didn't say anything about tomorrow. Oh, I'd love to. Uh huh.
0: I thought that embodied pretty well somebody who is trying to be open-minded and 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 it, it wasn't like overplayed to the point where she was just racist but it, it was that subtle yes racism right it was Subtlety, the subtle yeah. sort of yeah and and i thought that was really well done because that that was super realistic to me
1: the way that was handled made it much more believable than to overdraw it just like with the fbi
0: yeah there was never a scene in the movie where somebody just got in her face and was like um well i i, I take that back There was a scene when she got on the bus to be shipped off back to Japan and they were yelling at her and they were surprised that there was a white woman on the bus with all these Japanese people and...
4: Don't let them bother
2: you. Good riddance! We'll see you in Tokyo! Ooh,
3: hey, look at her! She's no jack! She's a white woman!
4: They don't know what they're saying. Don't you pay any
0: attention to them? So, but but again, I felt like that was realistic, and it's and it kind of gave you that sense of the the fervor of, of war and how that was that was happening at the same time that the Japanese were being uh, bussed off and, and put on trains to the camps. And so, to me, I saw a real parallel there.
1: This this movie is full of scenes that that tell the story. In a very, very simple, direct way. Like when she's uh, back, back to her, back to Gwen being in Japan, and she's on the train, they're going out to the country, and it's stopped because there's a work crew working on the tracks. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're all uh, U- U.S., British, allied soldiers doing the labor work. And she has a long, extended eye contact with one of the prisoners, who's obviously an American prisoner that was very telling because it it portrays the whole or a lot of the history of what was going on on the on the prisoner of war side
0: I think I think that scene or this movie but that scene in particular is another one that could be in a film school yes uh, curriculum because there's no words it's all just the the looks that they give each other and and, and the direction in terms of like the camera angles and how long they they linger on that and it, and it lingered just long enough to be like uncomfortable and, and and in my mind i was like does she know him and i was like no she she can't know him he, she's she's got this connection with him though because he's probably an american soldier that's been captured and and so this conflict inside of her about she's american living in japan during the war how must that have felt that just i just can't even imagine the complexity of those feelings
1: and then I put myself in the mind of that soldier, the prisoner. What what must he have been thinking? Here's a train going by, and here's a blonde uh, European descent woman on the train. And, and he's he, he, I think he was totally flummoxed. He just didn't know what to make of that.
0: And he might have thought she was American, or he might have thought maybe she's French. Or German. Or German, English, or, German that, yeah. or, or, you know, like it's but just just seeing i think just seeing a white woman with blonde hair in that context was like so not at all what he had ever expected to see and, and yeah like you said the look on his face was just kind of like shock almost yeah
1: well what what i came away from uh after watching the film this time is i wanted to find out how many americans or allied people were living in Japan during World War II. Not as prisoners, but sort of in her existence of kind of trying to get by. And I, I came up with no answers. I have not found any place where I can locate that. I could always do more research, but there, there must have been other European descended people, white people in Japan that had to exist in that environment.
0: I think there must have been, but I think it, it's a it's a vanishingly small yeah. percentage. <laughs> like I, I can imagine that because they were doing that that swap at the beginning, and one of the reasons that the Japanese uh, uh, ambassadors were able to leave and get back to Japan is because we had people in Japan who we wanted to get back. Yeah. And So they we did that swap, and I imagine that most uh, Americans came back at that point. But maybe not all, because there's probably other people that were in the situation where they were in love with somebody there and they wanted to stay, had kids, you know.
1: It's quite a movie. I guess uh, we've sort of gone through the plot, even though we didn't do it in a linear fashion. They they fall in love in Washington, D.C., and get married, and she goes back to Japan with him, and they make it through the war. Uh, The story is very, very... uh, simple in its content in terms of the the structure of it. Uh there's but but that's all very complex when you come into the details and all.
0: The story is the the, the arc of the plot is, is is really simple. Um and like you said, I think part of the power of the film is that it's just very straightforward and and like I, I was saying it's it feels very factual and almost um documentary. in in some aspects and and they even include some scenes from from the war uh like you know like the the zero uh kamikaze pilots and uh the bombings and things and that's actual footage from the war that they've inserted into the film
1: yeah there was just enough of that to, to make it realistic in that context
0: yeah and there's another. There's another. I, rather than kind of go through the plot, which I think we we are kind of covering as we go, I I like to I'd like to talk about some of the other powerful scenes. And there's another powerful scene where their daughter Mako is is drawing, and all she can draw are scenes of death and bombing and fighter planes. And her daughter says, or, and and Gwen says, "Well, can't she draw something nicer?" And and her daughter's like, "Well, like what? Yeah, I don't know, flowers or birds or you know." And, and her daughter has grown up with war like that's all she knows and then a little bit later when uh terry is saying that you should go back to america and and you should raise our daughter
3: there so that gwen it's time you and marco went to america it's time marco learned what her mother's country is like
4: she will someday
3: no not someday gwen now, while she's still young, while she can lose her prejudices and become the bridge we dreamed of, I want you to take her back and put her in school in Johnson City.
4: You don't mean leave you here alone.
3: I'll join you later. My work here is done.
4: Oh, but I can't think of going back without you. I want to show you off to everyone. Next year, we'll all go.
3: No, Gwen next
4: week oh
3: Terry you and Maku.
0: I thought what a what an insightful thing to say because she's still young enough where she's malleable right like she she can go back to America and she can learn more about America and 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 they're not always going to just be like the enemy to
1: her yeah the scenes are, are, are all through the movie another one is when they first go back to Japan and the emperor's passing and Terry's trying to get her to bow and not look at him and she just she doesn't want to do that. And she gets mad. She says, I was just trying to look at the wheels of the carriage. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Yeah. And then there's another one where uh the food rationing, how she was able to stand in line and get the food rationing and what that what would that feel like? I mean, you just you're you're the only person in that line that doesn't fit in and everybody's looking at her like she's got the plague or something
0: well but but just flip that around i think what's so great about that is that that's that's how a lot of uh minority groups and people uh in america feel right like you know oh
1: absolutely yeah that yeah absolutely in
0: the little town that i grew that that my kids grew up in i think it's 97 percent white it's really well done in the film that you are sort of flipped around onto the other side and you're seeing what it must feel like to be that person who's standing out as the only one among the crowd who looks different or can't speak the language quite right, you know, and is getting weird looks and doesn't know the customs. And, and I just, yeah, this, yeah, super well done. The acting, the directing, the
1: script. We can, we can, totally recommend it for viewing i uh i did a little research and terry died in 1951 and he was only 50 years old when he died
0: i think the war took its toll on him because he was having to hide out in the mountains for a little while oh yeah he was so stressed out about everything every day and working so hard it it had to have an impact one other thing i wanted to mention is the composer for this film I uh, was also the composer in two other movies we reviewed. The Innocents, which is one of my favorite all-time movies. And Rafifi, which was also oh, awesome. Yes. Like,
1: <laughs> I love Oh, well, both those films, yeah. Deborah Carr in one and, and then Rafifi. Oh, my goodness. That guy, that, the, the Rafifi main character was hell-bent for getting that child back.
0: Oh, I love the ending of that movie so much, yeah.
1: I don't know about the reviews this film got when it came out. I didn't uh, have a chance to look at that, but I would think it had good reviews when it came out. Uh, I'm not sure how big a hit it was uh, given, given uh, 1961 I just didn't check that out either.
0: Well Carol Baker was a pretty big star, so they really they really like put her as the main uh, act, actress or actor in the on the poster and stuff. so I think she was a draw.
1: I give the movie a ten just just because of the everything about it that we've talked about. It's excellent,
0: yeah, it's so interesting. as I was before we started recording, I was like, it's a nine. There's a few things in there that I was sort of like on the fence about. Um, but as we've been talking about it i've I've been converted over to a ten, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> it makes a nice double feature.
0: Yeah, if you could watch this and Farewell to Manzanar sort of back-to-back, back. it doesn't matter really which order you watch them in, but just watch them together. It, it really, I think, they amplify each other's message. And they're both excellent on their own, but together as sort of, they should almost put this like a double feature, you know, like a DVD or like a Blu-ray restoration or something.
1: Or the, at the old, remember the old Harvard exit or the Egyptian theater in Seattle? Those would be... Uh... Outstanding double features. Well,
0: the and now we have the Beacon Cinema, in, and, and oh, I yeah. talked about that a little bit, and and they just continue. I get emails from them every week. They just continue to have these super rare, really famous, hard to find. You know, hard to find. Well done, movies that they play, and I'm like, I'm gonna go broke if I like. My <laughs> wife had to. My wife had to tell me you have you can't go to so many movies where you're like, you have to get, put yourself on a budget.
1: <laughs> Enough already. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I'm back in Seattle, we'll have to try to. You can conserve your budget money so that we can go to. Yeah, one no, of
0: them. we'll go. You gotta, you gotta just go to experience it. It's, it's great.
1: Should we uh, do our trivia portions, both answering? The last podcast and then the new one?
0: Yeah, last episode we have a trivia question about Farewell to Manzanar. Uh, The director of Farewell to Manzanar, John Cordy, directed all of the following films except which one? And it was Oliver's story, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, Agatha, and Alex and the Gypsy. And the answer... We didn't get any responses, but that's okay. (laughs) But for those of you that are interested, uh, Mr. Cordy did not direct Agatha. So... He directed Oliver's Story, The Autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, and Alex and the Gypsy. So this episode, we're going to have a question, similar format. Uh, James Shigita played a role in all of the following films, except for which one? You kind of gave one away.
1: I know, I did. Then I stopped because I would have given them all away if I hadn't shut up.
0: (laughs) So the first one is Midway from 1976, uh, Die Hard from 1988, Tora, Tora, Tora from 1970, and The Yakuza from 1975. So which movie was James Shagita Shige- not in? And we'll, we'll give you the answer to that next episode.
1: And as your trivia question prepare, I will make sure I don't give away the answer
0: <laughs> during <Yeah>. the podcast.
1: <laughs> All so right. So
0: we should talk about next episode. Next episode.
1: Um, we finally figured that out.
0: Yeah, we're finding the administrative details of running the show have become more complex, so we're trying to keep everything straight. Um, So, this this episode is episode 150, and it's a public episode, and then next week we have The Invisible Man, or next episode we have The Invisible Man, and that's a Tier 3 only episode on Patreon, and we're going to do our best to get out and see the new 2020 Invisible Man, and then compare it to the original Invisible Man from uh, was it 1934?
1: 1933.
0: With, oh, I was w- close.
1: With Claude Rains.
0: Yes, uh, one of my favorite movies. So yes, I, mine too. I, I'm excited about that, and that's a bonus uh, episode for patrons at tier three. And then the next public episode is going to be a movie that was. Uh, made in India and pretty sure I'm going to not say this right but I'll try to get it straightened out by the time we record. It's Bararchi and it's a comedy it's uh, kind of a Bollywood comedy from the 70s I want to say yeah let me just double check the date on that.
1: I think it was 74 but I
0: 1972 72, and the okay. synopsis of this is He's he's much more than just a cook. He's a magically multi-talented artist, counselor, and guru, or so he seems. <laughs> so, it, I watched a little bit of it, and it is it is pretty funny, and it's got some great music, so that, that'll be fun. And we haven't done any movies from India, I don't think. So uh, be... No,
1: we have not. And I'm assuming that it's in English subtitles.
0: Uh, I believe so. Yeah.
1: All right, well... Now that we have our schedule at least squared away for the next 2, we need to do some homework on what's coming up after that so there's we have a we have an inventory of about 300 titles that we want to do, so we'll have to figure that out.
0: Well, we have what we'd like to do is uh you know, we like to do these in sort of groups and so we had a few ideas of different groupings of movies that we could do. So, yeah, we we'll we'll uh we'll figure that out and and let you know, but uh One of the things that we are trying to do is make sure that these films are pretty easy to access, and we had to make a couple changes um in our episodes because of the fact that we couldn't find one and then you watched one called the Exiles, and you said that you just you just after watching it you just didn't even want to I didn't think watch it was it.
1: one that we would want to do yeah from nineteen sixty one
0: so let me just quickly kind of let you know some of the changes here um Let me go to our website. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. All right, so yeah, we're not going to be doing The Exiles, and we're also not doing Mystery Street, because for the life of us, we could not find that film. And we're kind of disappointed because that had Ricardo Montalban in it, and we love Ricardo Montalban.
1: I would say that if any listener has uh, knowledge or information on where that film is available, if they would send that to us, then we would bring it back up for a review because it's a very well-done police procedural film with Ricardo Montalban.
0: So, yeah, let us know if, if you know where we could find it without spending a bunch of money on it. And uh, we'll continue to do some research on the films that will be coming out after episode 152. All right, I think that's it. I do too. That's our review of Bridge to the Sun. And coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt Johnson.
1: And here in Los Angeles, Bob Johnson wishing you all happy movie watching.
3: I gave you a bad life, didn't I, Gwen? Oh,
4: don't ever say that. If I had it to live all over again, I wouldn't have it any other way. With anyone but you. We'll be expecting you soon.